Hello, my fellow humans. My name is Tanya McIntyre, and this is the Red Roof Recovery Show, a program to soften the path of recovery from substance and behavioral addictions. I'm a SMART recovery facilitator. SMART is an acronym that stands for self-management and recovery training. I host uh, weekly meetings to teach people about cognitive therapies that have certainly helped in my path of recovery. I actually prefer to call it a path of discovery now that I'm into it for a few years. In my decade of recovery from my own drug and alcohol addictions, I've discovered that there are literally hundreds of tools to choose from in the recovery world. And the key, I think, is another of my favorite acronyms. Key, keep educating yourself. The key is to find something that works for you. And then when you find it, you grab on with both hands and you do it every single day. On today's episode of Red Roof Recovery, I'm joined by my best friend and life partner, Sir Lancelot. Lance, thanks so much for being here with me. You're welcome, my love. And Lance brings a family perspective to my recovery discovery world. Uh, Lance stood by me through my decades of addictions and People appreciate hearing his family perspective of someone who is not challenged by any kind of addiction, thankfully, and how he still lives with me, manages to live with me quite happily and blissfully uh, while I learn how to become uh, sober, not only just physically, but also emotionally. That's a whole different ballgame. Emotional growth. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to say something? Coping with those feelings that you've never had to cope with. Yes, those heightened emotions that I numbed for most of my adult life with drugs and alcohol. Today, yeah. we're going to chat about something that took me many years uh, to finally accept, and that is acceptance, <laughs> unconditional acceptance. It's one thing to put a lot of conditions on acceptance of ourselves, of others, and of life, but to reach a point where you can be to a point of acceptance unconditionally is something that I still work on every day. And I appreciate your support in helping me get through that. I think everyone <laughs> works on that every day. Yeah, I, I think it's so. It's very too. easy to accept people if they agree with you. Right, if they behave the way we want and expect them to behave. Yeah, that makes it easy. So in cognitive therapy, uh, which is the foundation of uh, smart recovery, self-management and recovery training, which I practice regularly. You'll often hear me say that AA saves my life and smart gave me my life back. So we learn the principle of unconditional acceptance of ourselves, of others, and of life. And I would like to share with you something called an unconditional acceptance manifesto that I've compiled through a few things, uh, through some of the mentors that have had influence in my life and through my recovery discovery <laughs> and uh, another fellow facilitator at smart Jasic, has contributed to this and then just my own experiences so we're going to start off with a definition of acceptance what is acceptance well the following definitions and ideas are provided by doctors wendy dryden and Walter Methwitchuk, both pioneers in the development and practice of REBT. REBT is a form of cognitive therapy. It stands for Rational Emotive Behavioral Therapy. 
And they agree that to accept something is to one, acknowledge that it exists, which sounds reasonable. And that's what rational emotive behavior therapy is. It's supposed to be reasonable for us to comprehend. Number two, we acknowledge that all the conditions are in place for it to exist. Again, sounding reasonable. Number three, believe that while it's preferable for this reality perhaps to not exist, it doesn't follow that it must not exist. Number four, resolve to change the existing conditions whenever possible. And number five, accept when it is beyond your control. And then we get to unconditional self-acceptance and the acronym that is commonly referred to in recovery circles as the USA, which is one of the most difficult concepts, I think, for most of us to accept. It certainly has been for me. And the following is inspired by my fellow SMART facilitator, Nick Rajasic. And I encourage you, after listening to this, perhaps you make your own unconditional self-accepting statement for you that you can read to yourself uh, because in my experience repetition has been crucial in reprogramming my mind I'm you know really kind of filling in those grooves those neural networks that have been not helping me through my life and I'm creating new pathways uh, smoothing them out as I go away with repetition to create pathways that are going to be more helpful in my recovery discovery journey. So here is unconditional self-acceptance. You have neither intrinsic worth or worthlessness, but merely aliveness. The complexity of self cannot be evaluated. Behavior can be evaluated, but not the complexity of self. Traits and behaviors can be measured and improved using the approach of what is within my control. Taking this approach is advantageous to your health because rating your totality of self is invalid and emotionally harmful. You acknowledge that there is no valid reason why you can't accept yourself fully just by the fact that you're alive and that there is a tremendous emotional advantage to your doing so. You will not use your unconditional self-acceptance as an excuse or self-serving misbehavior. You live in a social group after all. You accept that your acts have consequences. Regardless of what you do, however, you remain a unique, complex, fallible human who is in a constant state of change, a constant state of flux and flow. You also acknowledge that for these reasons of uniqueness, complexity and change, you cannot validly rate your totality, personhood or self. At the same time, unconditional self-acceptance is valid and helps your happiness and health. And then we go into the unconditional acceptance of others and life. We humans are now considered to be the most stressed, depressed, overweight, over-medicated population in history. And when referring to our physiology, stress is created by how our body is responding to life's circumstances. Stress can be created when we either regret the past, resist the present, or worry about the future. We can have desires for a different life that can constantly disturb our mind, or we can have a life that's fulfilling 
full of opportunities with a constant flow of gratitude for what we have. The only difference between them is acceptance, acceptance of what is with ourselves, with others, and with life. We can help ourselves be non-reactive, calm, and peaceful. We can strive to reach acceptance unconditionally with what is instead of what if. When we accept a situation, it is as it is. And when we don't accept a situation, it is as it is. The sting of pain is not in the pain, but rather in our non-acceptance of it. We feel it should not have been so, but it is. And that is the sting. The suffering comes from wanting things to be other than they are. We think that we can resist certain states because they're there, but they're actually there because we resist them. What we resist persists. Accept it. When you accept, you remain above and beyond. And when you fight and resist, you come to that same level. There are some things and situations which can be changed, and there are some things and situations which cannot be changed, but rather only accepted. Acceptance is the door to transcendence. Practice acceptance and be patient and persistent. That is my unconditional acceptance manifesto that I read every day. It's how I start my day. And it helps with the repetition of that message and the reprogramming of my mind to serve me in healthier ways. <laughs> okay, so with the... Um unconditional self-acceptance yes um as we all know we we're not the same person well this is why i think i'm de i'm definitely not the same person i was at 20 years old mm. or 30 or 40 years old or 50 years old mm -hmm. as you always put it we're in flux and flow we change because time is running out Life experiences have taught you things. So to accept oneself is, uh, it's an ongoing thing. Absolutely. A lot of views that we had when we were 20 years old, we do not still hold at 60 years old. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to accept yourself is, it's ongoing. Mm. Yeah, it's never changing. It's not something you think, you know, great, I've accepted myself, I'm done. Right. One should always question. Uh, I think it was Tim Minchin said, uh, opinions and views and perspective uh, should be a bit like bum holes. <laughs> they should be aired out continuously. You should view them. Yeah, that's an interesting analogy there, honey. Yeah, you need to view and air your views out to make sure that there's nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, because self-acceptance, accepting of anything really, is an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. Question everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially yourself. Yeah. I think that's that's the main thing. Yeah because that's all we can control. Mm -hmm. You know, I find a lot of other people's views um, somewhat unacceptable. Mm -hmm. 
However, what can I do about changing their view? Yeah. There's, there's nothing. We can have a discussion, but I've never found that discussion goes that well unless the other person is willing to, uh, to reflect on their perspective. Mm -hmm. Someone just sent me a, a meme, actually, that I, I uh, just went looking for that pertains to what you, you just mentioned there. Um, you must always be willing to truly consider evidence that contradicts your beliefs and admit the possibility that you may be wrong. Intelligence isn't knowing everything. It's the ability to challenge everything you know. I like, I like that. Um, it reminds me that yeah. you know tr our truth is a fundamental reality defined by our perceived experiences, and I I think it's it's important for us to develop that um, critical thinking that really wasn't taught to me in in my education at any time. I didn't start uh, developing critical thinking until I was introduced to SMART. SMART Recovery taught me, you know, the cognitive therapies to question my thoughts, question everything. And that, uh, I think, has created a, a smoother foundation for me to walk that path of recovery. Well, I think that's... I, that's where um, media that is, um, shall we say, uh, governed by someone else. Yeah, as in, let's take radio. Yeah, most people over. I'm afraid in North America, everyone has like you know, there's a country music channel and a hot, uh, classic rock channel. Where in the UK, where I was growing up, it was basically there was a classical channel, but then music from uh, in the the mainstream uh, networks was an amalgamation of everything. So you're exposed to many different genres of music. What we have now, I think, which isn't helping the situation that we find ourselves in questioning everything, is that we, because of technology, we, we tend to inhabit echo chambers. We don't expose ourselves to different views. And then when we come against up against different views, people have trouble with that because they've not been exposed to many different mm -hmm. people's many different views. I hear the term confirmation bias a lot, right? So we seek out information that confirms our bias, which is uh, not healthy either to create healthy dialogues uh, that could open our mind to different possibilities. Mm -hmm. And when you do run into someone who's willing to have a dialogue, a constructive dialogue, to realize that you may be wrong. And I've always said to people, if I've got a certain view, I'm, I'm open to you challenging that view and changing my mind with a rational argument. Mm -hmm. If you cannot change my point of view because I don't find your argument strong enough to change my my view i've got no problem with you holding the opposing view mm -hmm. because obviously my my argument is not strong enough to to change your mind 
And it's okay for people to have different views. Mm-hmm. So to, and as I said, we need to challenge our own views to, to look at them in a, in a way that, as I said, my views now, um, 60, 60 something is def, they're definitely not the same as they were when I was 20 something. Mm, yeah. Thank goodness. I think if we had met in our twenties or we probably would have uh, not, not had that synergy that we had when we were in our thirties. I'm certainly, thank goodness. I'm not the person I was in my twenties. I wasn't a very nice person when I was in my twenties. I'm glad that's behind me. Well, obviously that's your perspective. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And shared and, by a few others. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But you, you, um, Everyone tends to be harder on themselves than other people are mm-hmm. on you. So you're, you're being very hard on yourself, as most people are. And, you know, you were, you know, you were going through your challenges or well, the beginning of your challenges, mm. which, you know, colours your perspective somewhat. Well, I'm certainly glad that um, therapy as a whole now is, I remember when we first uh, got together when I was 30, when we got married, um, which is more than 30 years ago. And therapy, I remember when we tried to live in the UK and I, when I first arrived there as a Canadian, I thought, how different could it be, right? Canada was a British colony for so long. It's like, you know, we, we've got all our influences really from the British. But it was culture shock in more ways than one, specifically with uh, the class structure and uh, certain attitudes, especially around therapy at the time. Um, because I, I, I read a lot of self-help books because of course I was swimming in that river of uh, denial, right? Denial is more than the big river in Egypt. Uh, so when my addictions were progressing through my 30s, uh, I was reaching out for some self-help through self-help books. I mean, I was brought up on philosophy as well. I call my father philosopher dad for most of my life, right? Ended mm-hmm. up writing a couple of books uh, in his honor because I was brought up with philosophy. So self-help was nothing new to me. But when I tried to talk to your parents uh, about self-help and how they could maybe do some introspection around their, their challenges with your brother... Uh, I was shut down because it's not something, you know, it's that stiff upper lip uh, British attitude that was difficult for me to accept. Talk about unconditional other acceptance, right? Yeah, there definitely was. And again, that could just become because it was, they came from a different time. Oh, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. They were in a world where there was no time to for self-pity and you know, things were happening that were totally out of your control and you had to deal with them. Right. So there was a totally different mindset. I think, and even that, when I was young, if uh, if someone said they were going to therapy, everyone rolled their eyes and, you know, thought there was something very wrong with them. Mm-hmm. I think that's changing somewhat. Mm-hmm. I think the further we go from that, that's some might say misplaced stoicism from like the war generations. Mm. 
further we get away from that, the the less what you call stiff upper lip there is, mm-hmm. and more access to therapy and all the other contagions that go with it. Well, I'm exposed now to more because uh, through the pandemic, everybody's life kind of migrated to digital communication. Um, Mm -hmm. So here we are on the Zoom world now, I call it. And of course, I do a lot of smart recovery online meetings and I'm exposed to Smart Recovery UK. They have a, a huge contingent there. Uh, Through the pandemic, of course, SMART has grown exponentially because addiction and suicide rates have tripled over the past couple of years. And as I'm exposed to uh, people from that continent, uh, I can appreciate now that, you know, therapy really, we're we're looking at therapy as essentially just adult education with uh, some creative problem solving. And we're doing it more and more in a group setting, which I think is valuable in so many ways. Yeah, to, to, to talk to people who have the same challenges and to brainstorm on ways that people have overcome those challenges or you know, found ways to mitigate certain parts of you know, the circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful tool i think there's some in some ways we've gained a lot in some ways we've lost some stuff i mean when you're face to face with someone the the communication is a lot deeper right Mm -hmm. however technology is far more reaching yeah there are pros and cons to everything Mm -hmm. yeah that's where your cost benefit analysis comes in yes because every situation has a pro and a con. Doesn't right. matter how, how good the situation you're choosing to do, there is a downside to it. Mm. The cost-benefit analysis is a tool of cognitive therapy that encourages you to get all the thoughts out of your head and get them onto a piece of paper, which is always, I think, a helpful exercise. Um, so the cost-benefit analysis, you don't even really need a template. You just need a piece of paper and you, you just put an X in there to make four quadrants. And in the top two quadrants, you want to put the costs and benefits of continuing to do something. And then the bottom two quadrants, uh, the costs and benefits of not continuing to do something. So we just actually went through this with Lancelot here to convince him to retire sooner than later because uh, he was still a, a few years away, a couple of years away from retirement, but he was going to a job, he paid it every day uh, we were living apart through the week because he had to stay in the city to get to the job. And it just wasn't a good quality of life. However, financial insecurity keeps us trapped in situations, sadly. But once we sat down and did a cost-benefit analysis of uh, what was the actual cost of keeping that job and continuing to live that way and the benefits of not doing it, and we did did it for about three, four weeks running. Oh, more than that. <laughs> I was being conservative. You were being very conservative. You, you, we were doing these things for months. Yeah. And the thing is, we, we do a cost balance analysis in our head for every situation. Yeah. It's only the big, the big ones that you really need to sit down and do a proper cost balance analysis. You know. Go and buy a new car. 
You do a cost-benefit analysis in your head. Can I afford it? Is it the right car for me? Is it worth doing? Like, you know, putting some money into the old car. You know, but we, we don't call it a cost-benefit analysis, just that they're just normal thoughts. Pros and cons, yeah. Mm -hmm. We all do it all the time. When the big one comes and there are multiple factors, you can't hold all the factors in your head at the same time. Mm -hmm. So to put it down on paper to actually visu visually see all the pros and cons in one space is very helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. So have we solved the world's problems on unconditional acceptance? Have we gotten? No, I mean, the thing about acceptance is, as I said, it's, it's an ongoing thing. Mm. You know, you can't say, yep, I've accepted because there will be a situation that you find so far out of the acceptable range of your views that you will struggle to accept it. Yeah. You know, I mean, what's just happened with the, the death of uh, Queen Elizabeth? Mm. Now, I wasn't a tremendous monarch. I thought, you know, she did what she did very well. Not totally in favour of monarchy, but I think a constitutional monarchy shrunk down is a good thing. However, when people stand up and shout abuse and that at a, you know, basically at a coffin going past, I find that totally acceptable. I, I find it reprehensible. Can I see it in my, you know, so trying to accept the people doing that because their, their views are so far of, you know, common decency is so far away from mine. I struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everyone has a struggle with accepting things that are so far away from what we consider right. Right. Yeah. Against their morals. Yeah. So moral values, you know, we've seen how those have evolved from, uh, you know, centuries before where, for instance, uh, talking about the royal family, how uh, divorce was just, uh, there's just no way you could accept divorce uh, no. in your family, which is why one of the kings abdicated to go marry a divorcee. Um, so, you know, we've seen uh, through decades and centuries that, you know, attitudes around moral failings can change uh, as we evolve as humanity. And then sometimes yeah. we stay stuck. <laughs> and sometimes we regress. Yes, yeah. indeed. Oh, well, honey, we've only got uh, like a couple of minutes left. Wow, this, this conversation goes quickly and I'm so grateful to have it with you and to share my life with you. Thank you for being a wonderful life partner and human being. I am uh, grateful. It's a two-way street, mate. Thank you, sweetheart. And thank you for being here with us for 30 minutes of your day for this uh, non-renewable resource of time that we have. We really appreciate you hanging out with us. I hope uh, this episode has opened up some possibilities for you to consider unconditional acceptance in your life for not just yourself, but also for others and for life. And if I can help you in any way, please reach out to me, redroofrecovery at gmail.com. I'm always happy to help you with uh, any challenges you're going through, not only in just with your addiction recovery, just life in general. And if you would like to be a guest or if you think someone might qualify for our unique one week residential recovery program, 
Again, redroofrecovery at gmail.com. I've written a couple of books, some shameless self-promotion here. I've got mindful wisdom from my philosopher dad, sage advice from a single father, a legacy to my dad, who was an extraordinary man that deserves a legacy of greatness. And then during the pandemic, I wrote book two, daily wisdom from my philosopher dad to maintain my sanity and sobriety. I set this one up as a journal. So there's an inspirational saying there every day of the year. And I encourage you to not only just read the inspirational note, but also then write your thoughts and intentions for the day. The power of words is very powerful. And I find the power of the written word is life transformational. At least it has been for me. My wish for you is to always live fully, laugh often, love always, be mindful and try to stay positive in this crazy world. Remember, there is great power in knowing that the only thing we can control in our lives is ourselves. May the force be with you. And remember, you are the force.